Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. Show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Ruth. 1977, Episode 5, creatively titled, Part 5. Goddamn. Not only is this episode just incredible on its own, not only is it just an amazing episode, uh, amazing hour of television, regardless of any outside whatever, uh, but it is also... This episode is also an amazing turning point in this series. It is an amazing turning point in the story of Roots. Uh, This is the moment, this is the episode, where they make the very bold creative decision to shift the focus away from its primary protagonist halfway through the damn show. Which, up until this point in television history, unless you were a full-blown anthology series like, say, The Twilight Zone, was virtually unheard of. Uh, It's not something you did. Like, you, you had a dynamic and you kept to it until eventually the show wrapped up. Uh, And it's an incredibly brilliant idea in this case. Uh, because of how they do it. Because of how they shift the focus away from Kunta Kinte. Uh, so this episode begins, and very clearly, like in the first five minutes of the episode, they make it plainly obvious this is no longer Kunta Kinte's story. It is the story of Kizzy. In fact, by the end of this episode, Kunta Kinte is just flat out written out of the show. Like, by the end of this, you have that moment, Kizzy's taken away, she's taken to another plantation, and it's now just her story. The baton has been cast, storytelling-wise, from Kunta Kinte to Kizzy. And it's so otherworldly important, it's so brilliant that they decided to do this. Because... Slavery was not, you know, a one-generation issue. American slavery was not a quick, uh, it was a few decades here and there, we did it for a little bit, and then we were like, oh, we effed up, sorry everyone. Like, it, that's not what it was. It lasted for decades, uh, for at least a century. 
it lasted so long and was so pervasive in early American history, uh, from the colonial era all the way to the Civil War. There was American slavery before was America was even its own thing. That's how long this kept going. That's how pervasive it was. So the idea of having a show like Roots that dives deep into slavery and holds nothing back and gives you the honest, harsh truth of this horrific period in American history. The idea of them just focusing on one person, the idea of focusing on one generation is kind of stupid and goes against everything this show is about. So, of course, they would go on to Kunta Kinte's child. And Kunta Kinte's child's child. And Kunta Kinte's child's child's child. Like, of course, they would go beyond generational lines. Of course, uh, you would see different protagonists take up the mantle in latter episodes. That just makes sense for what this show is trying to be. Uh, You'll notice the tagline of this series is not the saga of Kunta Kinte. It's the saga of an American family. Which, by the way, is an ingenious tagline. Just saying. And Kizzy's story in this episode in particular is extremely poetic. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely horrifying but it is very, very oddly poetic. Uh, it goes full circle with Kunta's story in the first episode. The basic idea of what happened with Kunta in the first episode, very similar things happen with Kizzy, just in a different setting. And the way they handle that poetry, it is so, so ingenious. Because this episode starts, and interestingly enough, last we saw of Kizzy, she was a baby. Now, we're fast-forwarding to her teenage years. Hmm, we got a similar time gap with Kunta. And we're seeing her uh, eager to learn, eager to uh, absorb all the knowledge of her Mandinka heritage, and eager to work and please her parents and all that. Very headstrong while also being devoted to her culture. Kind of like how Kunta was. Hmm. By the way, Kizzy is played by Leslie Uggams, who is incredible. She's amazing. In this episode, she's amazing in this series. Uh, She went on to play Blind Al in the Deadpool movies. I freaking adore her. Uh, (laughs) uh, But she is an amazing, amazing actress who just is forced to be reckoned with here. Uh, But Kizzy's grown up. She's doing the headstrong, pissing off her elders thing the way Kunta was doing uh, with his transition to manhood. And all that. And then we have the added wrinkle of Missy Ann returning. Missy Ann uh, is Dr. Reynolds' 
niece, quote-unquote. We all know it's his daughter, but we just don't say anything. Niece. She's returning, and... She and Kizzy have what they refer to as a friendship. But it's very, very clear right from the beginning that's not what this is. Uh, They definitely act like it. One or both of them may even believe it. But we as the viewers, every second Kizzy and Missy Ann are on screen together, we kind of know... You say you're friends, but really we know you're not. Like, Missy Ann and Kizzy have a relationship. They have the relationship, and this is going to sound so inflammatory. I'm so, so sorry. Like I'm just trying to hammer home how this is not a friendship at all. Uh, apologies in advance if this comparison offends anybody. But... They almost have a relationship like a little girl has with her dolls. Like Missy Ann treats Kizzy like a plaything. Just having Kizzy answer to her every whim. Uh, Having Kizzy like just sort of pushing her to do what she wants to do. It is not a mutual friendship. It is Missy Ann, like, pulling the strings on her puppet and making her dance. But, of course, Kizzy doesn't know any other type of relationship, so she just thinks it's normal. But over the course of the episode, we get little hints and little hints and little hints, little reminders that that's very much not how friendships work. In fact, Missy Ann, without even thinking about it, put Kizzy in an impossible decision where she taught Kizzy how to read and write for a game. Which, for a slave, is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. A slave who knows how to read or write gets punished. Horrifically. Because, of course, that challenges white people, the white slave owner's perception that Oh, they're they're savages, and they don't know anything. They're stupid, and they can't learn. They're just animals. Like, that challenges their perception of that. So, of course, they get mad when a slave learns to read, and a slave learns to write. In fact, Kizzy reveals that she can write earlier in the episode, and both of her parents just explode with rage, like, no, 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 you can't do that. Uh, They will punish you. They will punish you horribly. Uh, You will be tortured. Like, horrible things will happen to you if you go down this road, if any white person catches you reading and writing. But, of course, Missy Ann, because she was, as a kid, just pulling the strings on her plaything said, oh, I'll teach you to read or write. Uh, To read and write. Hey! Not thinking, oh, well, this is gonna get you in trouble down the line. Because you never think about what you... You never think about how what you do with your toys affects your toys. 
And the idea of that ideology being applied to a human goddamn being is horrible. Is absolutely horrible. And it pisses me off to no end. Uh, and we get this more uh, when Missy Ann and Kizzy are talking about the natural order of things. Talking about how, like, oh, like, I guess uh, slaves are meant to be inferior to white folks because uh, uh, they're they're dumber. Just like women are dumber than men. And it's just like, oh, oh, uh, man. Getting in every offensive stereotype in there for every marginalized group throughout history. Jesus Christ. Not gonna touch that. Not gonna touch that. It's just, uh, I've said my piece on that. It's just... I'm angry. That's all you need to know. It angers me. Uh, Kizzy mentions the abolitionists to Missy Ann, getting a little bit too loose-lipped. And Missy Ann's like, Kizzy, if you were not my friend, I could have you, like, whipped for even mentioning the abolitionists. I could have you sold off for even mentioning the abolitionists. Uh, I could have you arrested for even mentioning them. And she's just like, they're evil people, and they hate God, because they don't think a person should own another person. They think God created everyone equal, therefore, they... Hate God. I'm a Christian man. I love a. I run a Christian ship. D- Jesus Christ! The ah, uh, the hypocrisy is so blatant. And goddamn, this this scene that that scene where abolitionists get mentioned is so. So, so brilliantly written to point out that hypocrisy so, so artfully. It's amazing. While all this is happening, uh, Kizzy's boyfriend, possible fiancé, they're thinking about getting married, uh, is planning an escape. He is planning to run to the north and become free and then come back for Kizzy and her family and all those people. And Kizzy helps him escape. He runs off. After like half an episode of deliberating how he's going to do it. He runs off. A week passes. He's still not back. Kunta and Kizzy are thinking, yes, yes, he's free. He's free. He got free. He's definitely, he's free. A week passed. He's got a chance. He's free. And then, like, two seconds later, he's brought back in chains and whipped mercilessly. His mother's screaming. Uh, He's whipped and whipped and whipped and whipped. And eventually, he spills that he got a forged travel pass written by Kizzy. He confesses to this. So now Kizzy's effed on multiple accounts. First off, there's the right reading and the writing. And second, he, 
she helped a slave escape. So she's extra screwed. And Dr. Reynolds, in response to this, is like, I can't have rule breakers on my plantation. I'm selling her off. And separating her from her family. Separating her from her parents. Destroying both of them forever. But he's a good slave master. Good. He's a good person who owns other people and takes their lives away from them. Good. Thereby shattering the myth of the good slave owner once and for all. Not that it needed to be shattered, but they did it. And they did it in the most horrifying horrifying of ways you see kizzy taken away in chains on the back of a wagon to this new plantation yelling for her parents yelling for her mother yelling for her father yelling for her quote-unquote friend missy ann who's just sitting by uh just watching it and thinking man too bad i lost my plaything. Because, let's be honest, that's all Kizzy ever was to her. Mm-hmm. I got all my my annoyances about that out. I got my anger out. I don't need to do it again. And it's it's horrifying. It's heartbreaking. It's It's Kunta being taken from his village all over again. And just like... Uh, Kunta's father did for him. He takes the sand from her footprint. In hopes that she'll come back. And Belle's like, what are you doing? Oh, you think, you think this sand is gonna bring her, is gonna bring her back? Either you've been lying to me or you've been lied to. Because that's not going to work any more than naming her Kizzy was going to make her stay put. Everything you've ever believed is bullshit. And Kunta, in his last act, as our main character, in his last act, as the protagonist of this show, takes this clump of sand he has in his fist and just lets it go. He's lost hope. He has lost his last bit of hope. First, his hope was to run away. He tried again and again and again. And he couldn't. Then his hope was protecting his family. And he failed. He failed at that. He failed at running. Now he has nothing. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to live for. The spirit that kept Kunta going for decades 
ever since he got captured is gone. It all happens with one act of letting go of the dirt from Kizzy's footprint. And that's the last we see of him. We don't know what happens to him after. We don't know where he goes as a character. We don't know what he does. But we know the thing that was keeping him going is gone. You can fill in the blanks from there. So much is conveyed through one action. And through the look on John Amos' face, which, oh my god, John Amos. Uh, one last... One last uh, praise for John Amos. Holy shit, he's incredible. As Kunta Quinte, as the adult Kunta Quinte. But the episode doesn't end there. That's where Kunta ends, but it's not where the episode ends. Kizzy's taken to this new plantation. To his to her new master. Moore. Tom Moore. And almost immediately, almost immediately she's raped. She's just sitting in her cabin. He comes in, takes his clothes off. Kizzy tries to struggle. She tries to get away, but he overpowers her. And then we cut away, but we know enough to know. We know, we know enough to know where that led. We know enough to know she was raped. We know enough to know that she was violated in the most horrible, most intimate, and most traumatizing of ways. We've seen horrors befall Kunta Quinte. We've seen horrors befall Kizzy's father. But nothing was close to this. Even when Kunta, in his first days on the plantation, was whipped and whipped and whipped in the back over and over and over, forced forced to shed his own name. And go by Toby. Even then. It didn't reach this level of atrocity. And they needed to show this right away. They needed to show this immediately. They needed to show. How immediate and how common. It was for women enslaved to be raped. It breaks my heart to say it, but it was a regular occurrence. Male slaves had it awful. They were beaten. They were brutalized. They were stripped of their individuality. But... Even then, they didn't have it as bad as the women. 
Because at least they managed to maintain their dignity. At least they weren't violated on such an intimate, aggressive, horrifying level. But this is something else. This is something else. And as if the idea of her being raped wasn't enough to break your heart. We then get the next morning. Kizzy recovering from that attack, from that rape. And the woman standing over her, helping her to heal, says... This is going to happen. Basically, I'm paraphrasing here. She basically says, this is going to happen to you every night. Until you have a baby. And there's nothing you can do. Nothing at all. It's just how it is. And then Kizzy's last declaration before this episode's over. When I have my baby, it's going to be a boy. Then Master Tom Moore is going to get what's coming to him. And then it ends. This ends on the horrible, horrible realization. The horrible, horrible reminder of how horrifying it is to be a woman enslaved. It ends on the aftermath of a brutal, brutal rape, the likes of which our new protagonist is going to experience every single night. <sighs> so, um... I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go throw up and have a good cry, uh, because, uh, it sickens and, uh, devastates me. Hey, remember, uh, remember those last couple days when it ended on a happy enough place to, for me to give my plugs without feeling like a terrible person? Yeah, those days are past. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow, on Monday, we will be discussing Roots 1977, Episode 6. Talk to you then.